everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Pensburg Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Behanna. Alongside me this week, as always, fellow Pensburg writer, Robbie Noggle. Robbie, how have you been? I've been pretty good, Garrett. Another week in the books, and getting close to playoff time now. Another week is in the books, Robbie, and this is a week unlike any other, at least uh, com- when compared to the last several, as the Penguins have officially closed out their regular season. Uh, the Penguins officially know their playoff opponent. They officially know when their first round series begins. We will get into all of that. Uh, because we have such a jam-packed show this week, uh, we have a couple of topics, uh, main topics that I'd like to discuss with you, Robbie. Uh, and there are only two games the Penguins played, uh, games number 55 and 56. Against the Buffalo Sabres, we will uh, we will pretty much speed run through the recap, give uh, an abridged version of our thoughts, head into the main topic, and then close out, like always, with the mailbag segment. So let's get started here. Uh, the Penguins' final two games of the regular season, like I said, came against the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, an, another little mini-series between the two divisional rivals this year. The first game coming on May 6th, and the Penguins win this game. Crazy scoreline, a combined 12 goals are scored between both sides here. Pittsburgh wins this game by a score of 8-4. to four. Jeff Carter was the star of this game, registering four goals. Uh, Robbie, correct me if I'm mistaken, I believe that's nine goals in 14 ga- 12 or 14 games, one of the two for, for Jeff Carter. Uh, so Carter certainly exploding on the score sheet here. And uh, on the Buffalo Sabres side, uh, Michael Hauser was the man in net for the Buffalo Sabres, a, a, a local, uh, a native uh, from around the Pittsburgh area, making his uh, making his debut just a couple of games uh, before this. And he, I believe he won his first two starts in the National Hockey League. However, he was not the victor on this night. Again, the Penguins scoring eight goals, Jeff Carter scoring four of them. Uh, Robbie, we've said it before and we'll say it again. The Penguins did what they had to do in this game against the Sabres. They did what they had to do in their game on May 8th. But uh, I'd just like to hand the mic over to you to give any sort of thoughts you have from this 8-4 to four victory over the Sabres on May 6th. You really can't. I mean, these last two games meant a lot to the Penguins. And especially if you had to win both to have a shot at the division. And they started off Thursday night with a big win. And Jeff Carter just keeps proving his worth to the Penguins. And it looks like that is going to be one of the most significant trades of this deadline. When it happened... Not many people thought that. They thought, a hey, nice addition. Does he still have it? It turns out Jeff Carter's still hungry to win hockey games and win a Stanley Cup, and he's been one of, if not the most important player down the stretch here. He has found a beautiful chemistry with Jared McCann on that third line, and he's just doing pretty much everything the Penguins could have hoped and probably even even more. He's just lighting the lamp. The four goals in one game, something that hasn't been done by a Penguins player in I believe since Chris Kunitz did it um, a few years ago, uh, something that Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin have never done in their entire careers. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that kind of game, Michael Hauser, he got two wins against the Islanders uh, before this, and you think maybe this is one of those situations where they throw in a random goalie and he shuts the Penguins down, but the Penguins came out flying in this game. Carter got his four goals, and they run away with an 8-4 win. Just a really big win uh, to get that this week, this final weekend started. 
Yeah, you mentioned it, Robbie. Uh, these two games certainly did mean a lot to the Penguins in terms of their aspirations to win the division championship, uh, the division title, which they eventually did. Uh, and uh, they concluded the regular season on May 8th, 2021, again against the Buffalo Sabres. Not a whole lot of offense in this game. One goal between both of the sides here. And wouldn't you know it, Jeff Carter once again on the score sheet getting his 17th goal of the season here at the 158 mark of the second period. Pittsburgh wins this game by a score of one to nothing. Uh, one of the storylines of this game in particular for the Penguins was uh, both goaltenders, uh, Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith, were both declared out by head coach Mike Sullivan, meaning that the Penguins would have to rely on journeyman goaltender Maxime Legacy, who had been in their in the Penguins minor league system throughout the majority of this year. And he, um, he had been called into backup duty or bench duty a couple of times during this season. Uh, but he gets the start in between the pipes and he, he, what do you, what don't you know, Robbie, he gets a shutout in the only game he'll play during this regular season, saving 29 shots. Not a whole lot of offense here. Um, the Penguins only registering 23 shots on goal, going 0 for 2 on the power play. But the Penguins did what they had to do. Uh, we've said it a thousand times. We'll say it again. Jeff Carter getting the Penguins win, uh, closing out the regular season. And uh, Robbie, uh, getting two wins to close out the regular season certainly has to make this team feel good. And uh, now as you record this episode of the post uh, of the podcast, there is a little bit of a break between the end of the regular season and the beginning of the postseason. But like you said, Robbie, when talking about the last game, these two ga these two games meant a lot for the Penguins. They eventually do become division champions uh, as they were battling the Washington Capitals for that first spot in the Eastern Division. Uh, the Washington Capitals would go into overtime with the Philadelphia Flyers on May 8th. And because they go into overtime against the Flyers and they do not get that regulation win because regulation wins are the are the tiebreaker here when looking at this division title race, because the Washington Capitals go into overtime with the Flyers, the Pittsburgh Penguins are are crowned uh, East Division champions for the 2021 season, the first time they've won a division championship since the 2013-2014 season. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are healing up now, Robbie. They're healing up because they have a date, a seven-game series with the New York Islanders. Game one of the first-round series against the New York Islanders is set for Sunday, May 16th, 12 o'clock noon Eastern, Robbie, I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've gotten any flashbacks to when these two teams met in 2019. But uh, this is sure to be this is sure to be an exciting series, Robbie. I'll hand the microphone over to you as we kick off our our main segment here, uh, what I'll call our 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 playoff primer, playoff preview, whatever you want to call it here, Robbie. But I'll hand the microphone over to you, and we can just get down and start discussing the the, the pros and cons or the good, the good and the bad, the scary and the not-so-scary between the New York Islanders and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, and this is the kind of the, um, the matchup that was starting to take shape it felt like in the last two weeks, whether it was going to be as a 2-3 series or a 1-4 series. But going back to the um, uh, the playoff series in 2019 where they the Islanders swept the Penguins out of the playoffs. Uh, but it feels like you just kind of feel like the Penguins are the better team. And 
it's part of the way that they're playing. The Penguins are probably healthier. The Islanders are missing their captain, Anders Lee, which is a really, really crucial uh, missing piece for them. They do have a, I'd say, an advantage in goal, maybe slightly, but we don't know the health of Semyon Varlamov at the moment because uh, he was pulled in that uh, loss on Monday against the Boston Bruins. Uh, that kind of that the that game sealed the Penguins Islanders matchup. So there's a lot, uh, just a lot of a, a lot of variables here because again these teams haven't played since the end of March. It's been by the time the puck drops on Monday, it's going to be almost six or seven weeks since these teams have played, and a lot has changed for both sides since then. The Penguins have been playing out of their minds since then. The Islanders have not been playing as well. Uh, they've been sliding back a little bit, but. They play a style of hockey that is conducive to the playoffs. It's boring, it's mucky, but it works for them. And the Penguins, you're going to have to score first. You're going to have to score often. Uh, and you're going to need Tristan Jari to outdoor whatever goalies um, in the net. So there's a lot, a lot to break down here. I think the Penguins on paper are the better team. I am not necessarily a fan of game one being a noon game on a Sunday. I'm also not necessarily a fan of maybe it's a bit of uh, uh, um, superstition. I'm not a fan of wearing gold uniforms. I would just like to stick to the black, the normal homes, the, uh, the where the normal ways, obviously. I would just like to stick to the normal uh, blacks, and I kind of understand why they're doing it. But, it, there, yeah, there's a lot to look at in this series, I just think that the top end of the Penguins lineup, and I know we probably said this in 2019, it just feels like this Penguins team is better than that team. It feels like this Islanders team is no longer taking anyone by surprise. The Penguins know they can beat them. They have the confidence they can beat them. They can beat either goaltender they face. I just think the Penguins on paper are going to find a way to pull this out on the ice. And it's not going to be an easy series. It's not going to be a short series. But I think, in my opinion, this is the Penguins. Uh, the best chance they're going to have to get out of the first round um, is against the Islanders. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, I, I sent out a tweet and I said, the one thing I don't want is to play the Boston Bruins in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, I, I view the Bruins as the the toughest challenge of the for the Penguins to get out of their division into rounds three and four uh, of the playoffs. So maybe, uh, I mean, the Bruins may get eliminated. We, we don't know, but the good thing for the Penguins is that they won't have to play them at least, uh, at least until round two, uh, possibly. So uh, that, is, that was something that I was definitely uh, satisfied, to say the least. Uh, getting the Islanders is the matchup that myself, you, and I'm sure a lot of other Penguins fans definitely prefer. Uh, you brought up a lot of interesting things there, Robbie, things that I really didn't even consider. Uh, the fact that this series, Game 1, starts at noon. Uh, the Penguins are notorious, and this season especially, for coming out very slowly, very sluggishly in the earlier start times. Uh, so the fact that this series doesn't have a traditional start time, uh, game one, that is, doesn't have a traditional start time of 7 p.m., uh, you'd like to think that because they're professionals that uh, that kind of thing doesn't have an impact on these professional hockey players. But stranger things have happened. Uh, stranger things have definitely happened. And this is the, this is the strangest time of year. 
where you could ride a hot goaltender like the Penguins did through their championship runs. Uh, you could have scoring from players like Colton Sevior or, or Freddie Gaudreau or Mark Jankowski. The playoffs are an entirely different beast when compared to the regular season. However, I will say that because the Penguins went 6-2 and two against the Islanders in their regular season series, there is more to analyze uh, and, and more to take away. They, the, the fact that they played so well against a divisional opponent, in my opinion, it bodes well for the Penguins because I agree with you in the other point you made, Robbie. I believe this Penguins team is a lot deeper, a lot more uh, rounded when you, uh, when you look at all four lines, especially if everyone is healthy. If they get Brandon Tanev, uh, Evgeny Malkin, uh, if they get everyone uh, that they missed, if they get everyone back and healthy, this is a, this is going to be a completely different series than the one that you saw in 2019. So, you know, we, we've both said that the Islanders play that boring, low-event style of hockey. If they get out to a two-goal lead, it was often said throughout this season that if the Islanders get that two-goal lead, the game's probably over. They'll just run the clock out. So it's going to be interesting to see, how, because they the Penguins went 6-2, and two, do they have the Islanders number throughout a seven-game playoff series? That's going to be one of the big things that I'm going to be watching uh, as this first-round series gets underway. Another point, uh, another point in our playoff primer that I wanted to talk about was playoff X factors. Maybe one or two players in particular that you think will make the biggest difference for the Penguins in this first-round series. Uh, there are a lot of players that, that you could pick uh, between Kasperi Kapanen or, or Jeff Carter or Evgeny Malkin for missing so much time. But, Robbie, I'll hand the microphone over to you, and you can start us off here for this segment. Uh, who do you think the biggest difference maker will be in this round one series? I'm going to go obvious with my first pick here, and I think it's just if the Islanders' goaltenders are on, if Semyon Varlamov is on, he was playing like a Vesna candidate this year, if he is healthy uh, for game one. It's gonna be it's gonna be Tristan Jari. He's gonna to have to answer Varlamov because Varlamov's gonna make his saves. He's had a great year. He's he's had successful history against the Penguins, uh, so he, you're gonna to have to find a way to match that, and it's gonna fall on Tristan Jari. And it doesn't look like the injury that kept him out Saturday is any big deal. He's already back on the ice practicing, so it's gonna come down to him stepping up and making the saves when they need to be made. He kind of got sluggish there, didn't look quite himself at the end of the year like he did in the middle of the year. Hopefully that's just uh, water under the bridge and he's fine. And my other player is going to be Jared McCann because he's been so important to what the Penguins did this year and he worked so well with Carter. And his style of play, taking that speed right at the Islanders, is very, very crucial. Being able to open up the game kind of break down their defense. You're going to need speed to do that. And McCann has plenty of that. And to go along with it, he has plenty of skill. And that skill with that speed is going to make it very, very difficult on that Islanders blue line and those forwards that like to clog up the neutral zone. So getting ahead of speed, getting the puck in deep, forechecking, and then finishing, that is what they need out of Jared McCann. And frankly, a, a lot of guys, not just McCann, but you expect that from guys like Crosby, Gensel, Malkin, Rust, uh, but you need the depth guys like like McCann and Carter, Tanev, Bluger, and all them to do their part. McCann has done it more more often than not this year. 
those are really good, really good picks there. I myself, uh, I have two players in mind. The first one being Jeff Carter. Uh, looking at his score line since coming over from the trade uh, from the Kings, he has uh, he has nine goals, two assists, eleven points in fourteen games played as a Pittsburgh Penguin. Robbie, I don't know about you, but this is the first time since the Penguins championship run of 2016-17 that I feel confident going into this year's playoffs, really. And I know I said that I'm glad that the Penguins won't get the Bruins in the first round, uh, and I still am. But this is the most confident I felt when looking at a Penguins lineup probably since back in those championship days a couple of years ago because of the depth that this team has accrued, specifically in Jeff Carter. The guy scoring nine goals in 14 games, is that, that's an incredible pace. And obviously, uh, I don't know if that pace is going to keep up when the playoffs run around. But when Carter was traded here, I, I was very, I don't know if apprehensive is the right word, but I was questioning the move because I didn't know, obviously, how much more Jeff Carter had in the tank. And now I'm looking at Jeff Carter thinking, I'm kind of glad that he has an extra year on his contract. And I'm kind of glad that that uh, he, he could be sticking around for next year as well. Having that presence, that veteran presence, that versatility that I mentioned about Jeff Carter previously, playing the center or the wing, if he's going to anchor that third line center position, might he be this new age Nick Benino? Might he be the the Nick Benino esque player that we've been looking for since Benino departed for Nashville, and the Penguins haven't found that that third line center success? They tried with Derek Brassard, that didn't work. Uh, Jared McCann, to an extent, that didn't work. Is Jeff Carter the answer to give the Penguins that three center model, or heck, even if you want to say four center model, because Teddy Bluger has been so effective. So. Jeff Carter is a player that I am certainly going to be keeping an eye on. The other player that I'm interested in watching this playoff for this playoff series is Kasperi Kapanen. Kapanen had 30 points in 40 games played, uh, 11 goals scored during this campaign. Uh, Kapanen was a player who I wasn't particularly fond of when former general manager Jim Rutherford traded for him, traded back for him to come back into the organization. At the time, I felt like he gave basically a king's ransom to acquire a player who in Kapanen at the time really wasn't living up to the hype that preceded him while he was in Toronto. But he's made me eat my words uh, playing alongside Evgeny Malkin specifically throughout stretches of this season. So if Kapanen and Malkin can reform that chemistry on the second line, if if Jared or if uh, Jeff Carter can stabilize the third line, give the Penguins that much much needed boost of depth in their bottom sixth, and I, like you said, Robbie, playing alongside Jared McCann as well as those two have formed chemistry. I'm pretty, pretty confident, and I'm pretty excited for the first time in quite a while when looking at uh, when looking at the, the the Penguins' playoff hopes as they gear up for what they hope to be is another long championship run. Uh, do you have any other thoughts you'd like to add, Robbie, or would you like to move into our our prediction segment, our se- our series predictor segment? I think you make some really good points there, and I I liked your point about being glad that Jeff Carter has another year in his contract because here when the trade was made, we were talking about, well, maybe he's just going to hang it up after this year, though he said he's not. Maybe maybe a cup and done. 
man alive, if they win the cup, I hope he comes back for another run because man, the way he's been, the way he's been playing, the way that he fits his team and exactly what they needed. I'd hate to see him leave at this point, whether they win the cup or not, because boy, he really adds a, a another element to this team that it just makes them very, very difficult to play against. And it's great to see. Absolutely. Uh, I have eaten all of my words uh, when it comes to Jeff Carter and seeing how he would uh, eventually fit into this Penguin squad. And like you said, Robbie, if if he doesn't go, if the Penguins do win the Stanley Cup and he doesn't decide to ride off into the sunset, I would be more than happy to welcome Jeff Carter back here for uh, for next season as well. Uh, Robbie, this is something that I'm, I know a lot of people get uh get strung up on quite easily asking for predictions uh and, and things of those nature how many games will this will this series go there are so many variables when when looking at uh NHL playoff series that it's it's so hard to predict i didn't think 2 years ago that the new york islanders would end up sweeping the pittsburgh penguins in four games and uh, here we are 2 years later and they're playing each other again but I'm not going to say that the that the Penguins or the Islanders are going to sweep the other. But what I will say is this, Robbie, before I hand it over to you for you to give your prediction. Call me a homer, but based on these two lineups on paper, based on the season series, Pittsburgh winning six out of eight. Uh, like you said, Robbie, uh, the Islanders may have the edge in goal, especially if uh, Varlamov plays and is healthy. So that's going to be a storyline to watch. But I'm going to say that the Pittsburgh Penguins will win this series and I'll say they win this series in six games. Uh, I don't think it goes, if it goes to seven, well then that's just more anxiety for me in the end. But I think okay. six games is the right number when looking at how both of these two teams will play each other. Uh, six game series, Pittsburgh advances. It's not going to be easy. Uh, I, I don't mean to take the Islanders lightly, but when looking at both rosters, uh, looking at what both teams have accomplished this season, uh, I think the Penguins are the better team. I think they take the Islanders in six. What about you? Yeah, I, I five seems too quick for the Penguins. Six seems about about right, and that's where I was kind of leaning. Uh, I don't want to say seven just because I don't want to go through that Yes, um, mentally. Uh, but, yeah, I think six seems about right. The one thing about – they're going to be playing their games in New York – in the Coliseum on Long Island. And that's a very difficult place to play, especially in the playoffs. But with limited attendance, it may not be nearly as daunting. And I think that really, really helps the Penguins uh, in this in this scenario because, uh, again, they've struggled on the call, in the Coliseum, especially in the playoffs. So I just think that being home uh, or being even if they're on the road, being able to not have to face – that wall of noise on Long Island really helps them uh, on the road. So I'm going to say the Penguins do take this in six. It's not an easy six by any means. There's no real easy series in this division. So I'm going to say the Penguins get by in six and move on uh, to the second round for the first time since 2018. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'll agree with you, Robbie. And another thing, too, that you brought up, having to play uh, in the Coliseum. Uh, and I agree with you. It's not a very easy place to play, especially when it's a full house. It's a completely different atmosphere. But I will say, uh, for the longest time, I really never gave any credence to the idea that home ice advantage gives a team an advantage. But in the Penguins' case, having one of the best home ice records this season, uh, getting those first two games at home could be a difference maker if if they win the first two games and, and head to uh, head to the island uh, up to nothing. All I all you'd ask for at that point is to just get a split on the island, maybe come back home for game five, maybe close it out in five games. Who knows? Again, like I said, there are a thousand different variables that come into effect uh, when when you get to this different beast that is playoff hockey. So we're both in agreement. I, I like it. Six games it is. Uh, we both are picking the Penguins here to advance to the second round, like you said, for the first time since the 2018 postseason. But uh, that was uh, that, that was uh, that was our playoff primer, at least for the first round. If if the Penguins uh, obviously will be giving you uh, Pennsburg podcasts weekly until the Penguins are done playing. So we'll have more to talk about next week and we'll, we'll evaluate where the Penguins are at that point in the series. But that will do it for this playoff primer for the first round series here between the Penguins and the New York Islanders. Uh, Robbie, we will move into our mailbag segment and we have eight questions for this mailbag segment. It is locked and loaded, and a lot of Pennsburg podcast listeners are very eager to get their questions answered as we storm into the 2021 Stanley Cup playoffs. If you're a first-time listener of the Pennsburg podcast or you're a long-time listener and you'd like to contribute to our weekly mailbag segment, you can do so by following our Pennsburg podcast Twitter account. Every week we'll send out a, a, a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in this mailbag segment. We love getting all of your questions. We love answering all of your questions. Uh, I love seeing uh, I love seeing these really deep eight question mailbags. I love I love uh, answering them. So Robbie, we will kick it off like we always do. You get question number one this week. Uh, question number one comes from Cole Delvecchio and he asks this. Who are some of your favorite regular season Penguins players from this year? Oh boy. Well, I think I got to go with Brian Ross just because he just continues to amaze every year. It seems like you expect him to hit a wall and he just keeps going. Uh, a guy like Cody Cece, who we, everybody pretty much drug through the mud when he was signed, turned out to be an invaluable contributor to this team. Uh, Jared McCann, uh, played out of out of his mind lived up way at one point looked like he may be on the way out um when Jim Rutherford was still in charge there if they kept struggling but hung him around and boy that paid off in a big way always Sidney Crosby I love Sid uh Jake had a great year it's really this team just from what we felt back in January to what we're feeling now it's like night and day. We didn't even know if they'd be making the playoffs back in January based on how last season ended, just the way the trajectory seemed to be going. And now all of a sudden here we are four or five months later thinking, man, this team has a legit shot at winning the Stanley Cup all because really they just kind of came together. Um, there wasn't any big shakeup at any point. So that's what kind of uh, is kind of shocking about the whole thing. 
but I got to, I, I mean, there's so many guys that like, like this year because it took so many guys to make this possible. Uh, they all contributed. The depth was out. The depth was insane. The depth scoring just off the charts, the top line scoring, just when guys were going down, other guys were stepping up, just a complete team effort. So it's tough to pick one guy, but there's some guys like CeCe and Rust and McCann that really stand out just having a great season. Question number two is from Brian. How impressed slash proud are you with this team? All the injuries, question marks coming in the season. Talk about a rebuild. The talk about a rebuild in the near future. GM leaving in, in season. And we come over the other side as division champs. We're even picked by most weren't even picked by most to make the playoffs. Yeah, Brian, I have to be honest with you, Robbie. I'll be honest with you, Brian. Uh, when the season began or before the season began, uh, I, I was looking at the, uh, at the, how the divisions were aligned and what the playoff scenarios were. I had the penguins as like a, a, a five in, in the East division. I thought they were a fringe playoff team. Uh, I really didn't think that, I didn't think that this would be the beginning of the rebuild, the 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 long dreaded rebuild season, um, and, and everyone in Pittsburgh gives so much talk to the championship window, the fabled championship window. Is it shut for good? At the beginning or before the beginning of the season, uh, I was starting to have those kinds of thoughts. I it, it, I was starting to convince myself that. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for the Penguins to, you know, if they do miss the playoffs, yeah, it would suck. But, you know, uh, you know, maybe it is time to revamp and retool a couple of things and maybe try and get younger on uh, various fronts of the team. But you mentioned it, the injuries, the, the talk of the rebuild, Jim Rutherford departing, and the fact that a lot of the pundits uh, weren't picking the Penguins to make the playoffs. And for them to come and become East Division champions for the first time since 2013-14, and like you said, Robbie, have a legitimate, a truly legitimate chance of winning the Stanley Cup again, I'm as psyched as you are. I'm, a, I'm as psyched as you are, Brian. I, I can't put it any other way. Uh, like, I, like I was describing to you, Robbie, earlier, uh, this is the first time in a long time that I, I feel really committed, and I really do think that the Penguins can make a deep run this year. So... Uh, I, I were impressed. I don't even know if the word impressed d does the Penguins justice. It might be an understatement. Uh, certainly, certainly a credit to the players, uh, Mike Sullivan, uh, new a new general manager, Ron Hextall for, for not blowing everything up when he easily could have, uh, a credit to all of them. And now let's see how far they can go in the playoffs to maybe win, uh, another Stanley cup. Question number three comes from commander Kern. I'm happy we're playing the Islanders in the first round. These games can be so strategic, but boring. What keeps you engaged when we play the Islanders? Uh, yeah, that's a good question because the Islanders can be boring. They're not quite 90s New Jersey Devils boring, but that's a system Barry, Barry Trotz employs. So basically what keeps me engaged is the Penguins playing well. And again, they're going to have to play well to beat the Islanders. You're going to have to play well to beat pretty much any team in the Eastern Division. And that includes this round, next round, semifinals, if it goes to the finals, whatever. You're going to have to be on the top of your game to knock any one of these teams out, and that's what the Penguins are going to have to do. And likewise, that's what the Islanders are going to have to do. Um, the Islanders are going to have to find a way to score goals. So if you can force the Islanders into playing an offensive game, hey, that means 
more excitement at both ends of the ice, but that probably means the Penguins are going to have their chances on offense as well, which makes the games more exciting. Letting them lull you into that trap, that, that mud in the neutral zone, that's what makes it boring. But Mike Sullivan hopefully has a plan uh, to get the scores engaged and to keep these games fun because, yeah, the Islanders play boring hockey, but if the Penguins' offense is going and that team's forechecking like they need to, they're going to have a lot of success and it's going to be a lot of fun for the fans. Question number four comes from Fry Time. How different would this team look if Rutherford didn't step down and likely make moves early on? How much better slash worse would they be? That's a really interesting question. And when we look back on this season, that's going to be probably one of the questions, uh, one of the hypotheticals that that gets asked a lot uh, when you look back on the 2020-2021 season. Uh, In my research, going back to, and, and it's really incredible, Robbie, when you think about it, Going back to March 4th, uh, the Penguins played the Philadelphia Flyers on March 4th, and they lost 4-3 to three to Philadelphia. That uh, that was game number 22. They were effectively 12-10. and 10. They had a 12-10 and 10 record. That's basically a 500 hockey club uh, at the beginning of March. And from that point forward... The Penguins basically turn it on, and the end the, the end of the regular season, going from twelve and ten, a twelve and ten record from March fourth to thirty seven sixteen and three uh, to close out the regular season. So, if Rutherford was still here, let's say by March fourth, when the Penguins were effectively a five hundred hockey club, uh, Robbie, you and I both know the kind of general manager Jim Rutherford is. He doesn't like to sit uh, sit on his hands when things aren't going his way. Uh, or the team's way, what would he have traded for? Well, the fact that the Penguins had so many injuries, both on forward and defense, makes you wonder, oh, well, he, would he have added a, a depth forward or a depth defenseman? Probably. Uh, I don't know. I can't, I'm not going to give you specific names, but yeah, I think Jim Rutherford would have saw his team by the beginning of March and said, uh, this isn't where I want to be. Uh, it's time to make some changes. With with whatever assets the Penguins have, Robbie, because we, we both know that they don't have a lot of draft capital and the, the prospects in their prospect cupboard aren't, they're not Connor McDavid prospects. So it would have been interesting if Rutherford did stick around to see what, what, what kind of changes he would have made to this roster. Yeah, and I'm going to throw, two, because I still think, and it seems to be a popular opinion on Penguin Twitter that McCann would have been the guy going if Rutherford would have made a shakeup trade and from what we've seen that probably makes them worse I'd say easily and I think the only reason Jeff Carter really made the move to Pittsburgh is because his connection with Ron Hextall so that's two pieces two very important pieces of what the Penguins did this year that are not in Pittsburgh right now and who knows if they keep struggling does Mike Sullivan get fired I don't think so but you never know with Jim Rutherford I don't think it. No, I don't think they're better than they are. I, and I, and again, Ron Hexel didn't come in and change anything crazy. I just think that he, by not making any moves, he made the team better. Let's put it that way. Yeah, uh, he definitely showed his faith to this group of players. Who did he acquire? He acquired Mark Friedman, uh, a depth defenseman from the Flyers on the waivers, and Jeff Carter. That was it for for Hextall playing the slow game or yeah for Hextall playing the slow game and 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 you know taking stock of his team basically on the fly uh in 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 the early parts of the season playing the slow game and and letting things run their natural course 
it's probably one of the big reasons why the Penguins are where they are right now. Question number five comes from Liam. Let's say the Penguins make it through their division. Who will be their toughest opponents after? Oh, man, it gets just because they got a division does not make it any easier once they get out there. Nope. Um, it's wow, because you're looking you're looking at the other divisions. I mean, you're going to have to go through at least the Islanders and then one of the Bruins or Capitals just to get out of the division. And then you're stuck with either I'm going to say the Hurricanes beat the Predators. So we're taking the Predators out of question here. You're going to be stuck with either the Hurricanes, Panthers or Lightning. That's not fun. And then if you would get a Western Conference team, you'd have either Colorado or Vegas who will be – who you could have either of those teams, one of which could be the President's Trophy winners. Uh, Minnesota is not a bad team. I don't think they're going to make it out, but they're not a bad team. They're going to create a lot of problems for whoever is second – whoever gets that second seed in the West. And then up north, I think Toronto is the odds-on favorite pretty much by far to win that division. Um Again, you, we can say what we want about the North Division, but Toronto's not a bad hockey team in themselves. So you're looking at one of the Maple Leafs, Avalanche, Knight, Vegas Knights, Florida Panthers, Lightning, or Hurricanes. There's listen, there's no easy path to the cup for the Penguins. Um, and even if there's upsets along the way, that team, if it's a lower seed, they're going to be coming in hot. So there's no easy path to the Penguins um, at, at all in this, in, in this run. And that goes for the same for pretty much anybody in the division as well. So <laughs> again, we haven't seen any of these other teams this year either. I like for a while, I forgot the hurricanes even existed this season and they quietly put together one of the best seasons in the league. As for Colorado and Colorado and Vegas, their success speaks for themselves. They're going to probably beat up on each other in the second round. It's really kind of a shame that only one of those two teams can make it to the semifinal but that's yeah, that's the way the chips fall. But there's no team that I look at and saying like I want to play that team if we get to the final four. There's unless it's like I don't even know because man, even if Edmonton squeaks out of that man, it's seven games against McDavid and Drysital. That's no fun. There's just there's no opponent I look at and said yeah, that's the team I want um, next. Everybody's gonna be tough, especially if you get one of those top seeds from the other division because they're just, they're all so good. They're just, it's just a murderer's row. Question number six comes from Taylor Anderson. Who has a greater chance of going to Seattle in the expansion draft? Bluger or McCann? And if not, man, if not, which forward would we lose? We've talked about the expansion draft quite a bit. The last couple episodes of the podcast, um, off the top of my head, I, I think J uh, Jason Zucker can be exposed, and yes. I know that doesn't. I know that doesn't answer your question, uh, Taylor. If the Penguins can uh, can conjure up one of the ways, because I know there are two ways to uh, make your protection lists for the expansion draft. If uh, after they get through all the players with no movement clauses, they ha they have to find a way to keep Bluger and McCann, especially after this season. Uh, when looking at the contract scenarios, let's see, uh, Jared McCann has one year left on his two-year deal after this, so he signed through the end of next season at a cap hit of two point nine million. Uh, Teddy Bluger is is uh, I don't know if he's an uh, if he's a restricted free agent, 
or both unre- McCann, both McCann and um, Bluger or restricted free agents next okay. year. So the Penguins still well, control. Well, no, Bluger's actually restricted free agent this summer. Yes, uh, Bluger's contract expires this summer, and he's you said he was a restricted free agent. Yeah, both McCann and well, McCann's next summer, but both or Bluger is a restricted free agent this summer. So the Penguins control both of their rights, uh, at least to some extent. Uh, you have to think Bluger only made seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you have to think he gets a raise. Uh, what what that raise is, I don't know. Maybe Hextall, uh, maybe they make a handshake agreement and say because it's a flat cap, uh, if if you accept this contract, this 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 low contract this year, we will reward you with a a much more lucrative contract when the cap does go up. Uh, so maybe that's an avenue they explore. But to answer your question, who has a greater chance of going to Seattle, Bluger or McCann? Flip a coin, Robbie. Uh, that, that's... Uh, it's it's Bluger. I don't think that they're going to expose him. I really don't. I think the dark horse candidate is actually Zach Aston Reese because I think they're going to try to stay away from too much term, which Jason Zucker has two years left and he's five and a half million. Uh, I, I, if I'm, if I was putting money on it, I'd, a sneaky good bet would be Zach Aston Reese, in my opinion. I don't think they're exposing McCann. I just don't see it happening because he's too important to what they did this year. Um, I, I just think there's too many other options that are better to expose because, yeah, Teddy Bluger had a great year, but also Teddy Bluger, you can find a replacement for Teddy Bluger. You can find a replacement for Zach Aston Reese. It's really hard to find a replacement for what Jared McCann did for them. And I, that's. That's my personal opinion. Um, I don't see Zucker's an interesting one because I've seen some people talk about Zucker, but I, the term and the money and the age. If you can get a guy like a Zach Aston Reese who's only twenty six, or a guy like Teddy Bluger who's only twenty six, I think you take your chances with that. Negotiate a short contract extension for year, two, three years, and he kind of becomes a nice bottom six player for you. That's a good. That's a good point, Robbie. Looking at McCann's stats. Uh, he did have 14 goals, 32 points in 43 games this year. Um, I mean, I, I'm not going to say that the Penguins are going to make their decisions based on point totals and things like that. But, yeah, there's definitely obviously more of an offensive touch to McCann's game. Like you said, he's developing that chemistry with Carter. Um, yeah, I, I, looking at it now, and you, you've convinced me they probably would rather expose Bluger than they would McCann. Question number seven comes from the Battle on the Boards podcast. What are your realistic expectations for how the playoffs go? I mean, it depends on what your definition of realistic is, I guess, because I'm sitting here now. Let's win a Stanley Cup. I mean, realistically, I mean, the odds, you maybe have 15% odds if you're even a good team like the Penguins, even a great team like Vegas or Colorado, they're probably only pulling in about 19, 20% odds. I'd have to look. There's uh, someone on Twitter um, kind of has like a spider graph. Of, yes, you know, I'm thinking of the odds. same person, Rafi. Um, has a spider graph. And really, um, I'll see if I can pull it up here real quick while I'm talking. I'll waste some time here. But realistically, let's start with winning a round uh, because they haven't done that since 2018. That was coming off back-to-back Stanley Cups, and, I mean, let's just win around, especially against a team like the Islanders that are just so 
freaking frustrating to play against. It seems like um, let's just uh, let's start there and then go from there. And uh, okay, so this is the Stanley Cup chances as of May twelfth. I'm doing. I'm trying to follow this as best I can here. Um, and the Penguins are somewhere in like, if I'm looking at the right numbers, he has the Penguins at sixty one percent chance to beat the Islanders a 33% chance of winning the division or coming out of the East with Boston at 32% and then at 14% uh, of winning a semifinal. So their finals, their winning the cup percentage is around, I'd say 9%. Uh, and, but your best option there is he has at Carolina at 13%. So there's just no easy path here for anyone and again even your best teams he has carolina and the guy it's it's micah blake mccurdy he is at ineffective math on twitter he puts out these charts every day and this is what he calls a spider chart and this is as of yesterday so not much not that much has really changed um altogether but he has carolina at the best odds of 13 percent, and this is this takes into account like who your opponents are in the first round who your opponents are in the second round. So Vegas may be the best team or Colorado may be the best team, but they're going to have to go through each other in the second round if they get there. So that lowers their chances just because they're both so good. Whereas Carolina maybe doesn't have quite the gauntlet to go through, especially in that first round against a team like Nashville. They just don't have the the difficulty. So that ups their or um, probably is a little bit. So really, your best odds are 13%. So realistically, hey, let's start with getting out of the first round because maybe winning a Stanley Cup isn't always the most realistic goal. But hey, if you would have told me back in January the Penguins were winning the Eastern Division and getting ready to start another journey for the Cup as the number one seed out of that division with the way that division looked uh, when it was released, house money. All right. Last but not least, question number eight comes from Brendan. Who was your biggest positive surprise? There have been lots. And your biggest disappointment this year? You got that right, Brendan. There have been uh, a lot of surprises. And we've talked about quite a few of them on uh, this episode of the podcast. Uh, right off the top of my head, Kasperi Kapanen, uh, Cody Cece, Robbie, you mentioned him. It, it, it's it's going to be interesting. I don't mean to go on another tangent, but looking at a player like Cece only coming in here on a one-year deal, I, I don't know what the salary cap situation is going to be for the Penguins next year. I don't know if they're going to entertain the opportunity of talking to Cody Cece about an extension, but uh, he has certainly uh, upped his value. Uh, let's see, Kapanen, Cece, Jeff Carter has been a, a great surprise. Uh, for that short period of time, uh, Pierre-Olivier Joseph coming up here and looking like an NHL-ready defenseman. Uh, that, that's a positive development heading into next season, uh, even if he did kind of kind of hit a rookie wall a little bit uh, towards the end before he was sent back down. Uh, that's a positive development for next season. Uh, let's see who else. Redeem Zahorna coming in, playing only eight games, but four points in eight games for for a player of his size, his stature, six foot six, and having a little bit of an offensive pulse in his stick. Uh, that, that was a positive development for me. Uh, disappointments. Mark Jankowski. I know what Jim Rutherford was trying to do when he brought in Jankowski, uh, bring him in here, try him on the third line. He has that first round draft pick pedigree. 
maybe a change of scenery would help Jankowski. Uh, that did not work. I, I highly doubt he comes back next season. There haven't been a lot of players, Robbie, who I look at on this roster and say, wow, you've been incredibly underperformed. Evgeny Malkin, because he missed such a large chunk of the season, uh, that was disappointing just because before he got injured, uh, he looked like he was really far- starting to find his stride. Um, I, I don't know, Robbie. Uh, there aren't a lot of disappointments on this team. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to pick a disappointment, actually, which is usually a good sign, uh, obviously. Maybe um, Jason Zucker a bit. He was injured. Yeah. Didn't quite, never quite found that chemistry with Malkin. Again, tough to say how much the injuries played into that. Um, Zucker went down, and then when by the time he was back, Malkin was down. So they never really got a chance to work together. Um, surprises? Uh, hey, Frederick Goudreau. Uh, what a, what a just absolutely insane pickup that's been for the Penguins and Evan Rodriguez who started out slow but really pulled it all together um disappointment maybe Sam Lafferty it always seems to have good practices good training camps but can just it just doesn't have it on the ice it seems like it's kind of uh kind of weird how that works out um defensively if you're picking if you want to pick a disappointment I think we've waited for years now to, for Yusa Rikula to be the guy that we thought he was going to be. And he just, he never became that guy. And again, he's never been used probably correctly, but when they re-signed him and again, that was the old, old general manager when he re-signed, but you thought, Oh, maybe this is his chance, but Hey, Matheson comes in, CeCe comes in and that spot kind of gets soaked up. So yeah, it's kind of just a disappointment. I, yeah, it's disappointing. It's hard to be disappointed with a lot of stuff when your team's one of the best in the league, one in the Eastern Division and stuff like that. But surprise-wise, I think you got it pretty much covered with guys like Zahorna, guys just coming out of nowhere and performing when they stepped in the lineup, which that's the reason the Penguins are the one seed. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a little positive nature in me, Robbie, but uh, I, I'm excited. I, what can I say, Robbie? I'm excited to finally— Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. To, to, to finally, you know, sit down and like thoroughly enjoy playoff hockey for the first time in a couple of years. I mean, last season playing in the bubble against Montreal, I'm not going to lie. I, I had a little bit of hubris in me thinking that, oh, we're playing the the literal last seed, the 24th seed in this like this playoff bubble environment. And I thought the Penguins would win that series rather Rather convincingly, they did not. Uh, so that really sent me back down to earth. But I, I'm I'm just excited to see how far this team can go. And for me personally, uh, I know for a lot of fans, it's it's Stanley Cup or bust every single season when you have Malkin and Crosby. But to me, after what they accomplished in 16 and 17, whatever whatever else they accomplished for as long as they're here, they're playing with house money. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. Everything else from this point forward, their legacies were cemented after 2017. I know Crosby and Malkin are incredibly driven individuals, uh, so I know they want to win another one. But whatever happens, uh, if they if they if they lose to the Islanders in the first round, if they lose to the Bruins or Capitals in the second round, if they get to the Stanley Cup final and lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning or Colorado Avalanche. I'm just going to enjoy it. That's that, that's the thing that I've like I, I've started to learn about myself when watching this team over the last couple of years is uh, just enjoy every single moment you can and, and try and soak it in uh, because there aren't 
there aren't going to be too many more opportunities like this, at least in the in the in the distant future when when Crosby and Malkin are no longer here. So I don't mean to get like depressing and like try and get all philosophical here on everybody, but just don't take it for granted. I've always said that, and I, I believe it. Don't take this playoff run for granted. You make me feel so old when you talk like that. Um, you can tell that you're you're still you were too young to remember the uh, post Yager doldrums there for a couple years, um, and it's really depressing to think about that and um, how blessed we really are. Um, and when that puck drops on Sunday, I hope that whoever listens to this does remember that because remember, even if you don't weren't a fan then or weren't born yet, uh, you just enjoy every moment of this because these, these moments won't, won't last forever. And it's pretty crazy that I'm now sitting here 31 years old. Crosby's still playing. Malkin's still playing. But to think that Crosby came into the league, uh, when I turned 16, like his first (laughs) game was, his first game was a couple days after I turned 16 years old. And it's just 15 years. It goes by in a flash, 15 straight playoff appearances. And, it's we are we are blessed. I know that we you can't really hit that point home hard enough because uh, it, when the good times aren't there anymore, you're still gonna have to. The, you st- they're still gonna want you to stick around, and I can't really uh, just tell you how much it, how much these these moments mean. So hang on to them, have fun. The odds are in the favor of disappointment. If you're a sports fan, you understand that, but. Sit back, relax, enjoy these games because there's nothing better than the Stanley Cup playoffs, and it's it's going to be a wild ride. Let's just hope it ends uh, sometime in July. Uh, I couldn't have put a, a better bow on that if I tried, Robbie, and I echo everything you said. Uh, we'll close out this episode of the Pensburg Podcast with that. Everybody, enjoy the ride. Like Robbie said, enjoy the ride that is the Stanley Cup playoffs. We will be back next week as the Penguins and Islanders get their first round series well underway. For Robbie, I have been Garrett Bahanna. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pensburg Podcast, and we will see you next week. (laughs) 